You're listening to the NASM CPT Podcast with Rick Ritchie, the official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine. OPT, how can I explain it? I'll take you frame by frame it to have you all jump in. Welcome to the NASM CPT Podcast. My name is Rick Ritchie, and today we're going to be talking about the OPT model and talking about jumping, man. This is a performance-based model. It is a model designed for athletes. But if you look at regular people, regular individuals, and you say, hey, are you an athlete? The answer really should be yes. It just kind of look at, well, what level athlete are you? Are you a weekend warrior athlete? Are you a nana And you want to play with your grandkids, athlete, and that's really what you're looking to do. Are you trying to find a place in your life where you can insert exercise so you can get outcomes that you're looking to have? What are the results that you want? And the OPT model is a systematic means of periodization that allows people to progressively work towards performance-based outcomes. That's what the OPT model is. Now, if we look at historically the OPT model... There was a man named Dr. Mike Clark who did this as his thesis project, and he ended up implementing it into NASM and soon became the CEO of NASM. He has recently gone on and moved on to other things like a wonderful company called Fusionetics, but the OPT model still exists, and it's still an integral part of NASM, and it was the the model that allowed NASM to move from being kind of like the many other certifications that just provided information uh, about exercise. Here's some information. Well, what do I do with that information? Well, the OPT model was a beautiful example of what to do with that information. It took that information and says, this is how you put it into play. This is how you utilize the model in order to get the outcomes that we talked about were possible. These physiological adaptations that are out there, these morphological adaptations that are out there, these performance benefits that are out there, you can get it by implementing in this model. So the model is very, very helpful when it comes to programming. And I think programming is vitally important for the, the the trainer and the coach because a lot of times people don't program, they just provide exercise. And there's a big difference between providing exercises and providing a program that has a very detailed progressive means of following a system in order to receive outcomes. Now, we look at this model, it is really the cornerstone and the anchor to what we do here at NASM. It is that model of periodization. It's the model in which we are going to make change happen and not get stuck in a rut and not find that plateau. Boom, you hit that plateau and it's really difficult to get past it because the problem is if you never change, you never change. So you keep doing the same thing you've always been doing. You're going to keep getting what you've already got and Periodization is a means to always move into a different type of training style, a different type of training modality that allows your body to receive something new. And when it receives something new, it has to adapt to that new thing. And what we're looking for is, yeah, we want efficiency in our our adaptations, but in a way, we kind of also want to create inefficiency. So if I get really good at adapting to something then my body is doing what it's supposed to do. It's adapting. But as soon as I get good at it, it stops 
adapting. It's, it's found its peak, its plateau. So you have to shift away from it. And when you come back, you can come back bigger, better, stronger, faster, whatever it is, in, in, in a more uh, all-around way. So you've got cross-training, you've got different peaks and valleys, you've got this macrocosm of training. So you have these macro-cycles, and you have these micro-cycles, and you have these meso-cycles, and all different means of implementing training. So the blueprint for our programming is really our client. And our client's going to come to us, and they're going to seek out things like weight loss. Primarily, you're going to see a lot of this. You're going to, as a trainer, we know we're going to get people to come to us and say that we want weight loss. Well, it's not a weight loss model. That's not how it's designed. It is a performance-based model. But through this performance-based model, because of how well it's been put together with things beyond just resistance training, it is an excellent weight loss model. But I will also note that you may want to talk about, well, what is a dietary um, uh, change look like for your client as well. So that one, I would I would direct you more to like a behavior change and a nutrition coaching certification, a fitness nutrition certification, all of which are provided by NASM. But they're means for us to go and work with a client and deal with weight loss strategies beyond the exercise strategy. Well, do people want to get stronger? Yeah, people are going to come and want to to, to you as a trainer, as a fitness professional, to get stronger. The OPT model offers that ability. It offers that means. So, you know, maybe your goal is you just don't want to get winded going up and down the stairs. And it's pretty amazing the number of people through the years that I've worked with who just told me that something similar to that. They were going upstairs and they were winded and they realized that they were out of shape and they knew that they should be able to go up a flight of stairs without getting winded. Uh, so after I said, hey, maybe you should get a medical checkup first before coming to me, then we moved on into our training. Well, some people, which I love now, are looking more for longevity. They want to feel function and live better for longer. And um, and I, I think this is really a valuable topic that's coming around and a lot of people are focusing on longevity uh, especially after they move out of the younger years of life when mortality starts to sink in, that there is a day that will be coming that you're not always going to be uh, as fit as you currently are or necessarily your your ability to recover won't be as fast. And so people start looking for longevity and they focus on wanting to feel better and to function better and to perform better. And that's where this model is really going to thrive. Now, the model is based on, I mean, there are numerous possibilities, but it just depends on how you implement the model. So let's look at this. There are three levels in this model. There's stabilization, strength, and power. And it really is going to go in order. Ideally, what you'll do is you'll create what's called a linear periodization where you go through one step at a time and spend some time in each of those before you start going into an undulating periodization, which is kind of bouncing in between any two or three of these levels. So you start off with uh, stabilization. And uh, we're going to have an episode specifically on stabilization uh, in the future, but this is really looking at stabilization and the phase that's in there. And the thing I like about what NASM does here is that they name the level and they name the phases out uh, based on the outcomes. So stability level, what's your outcome? Well, it's stability. What's that first phase in there? It's stabilization endurance training. 
So within that stability level, you're going to be incorporating stabilization endurance training. So you're going to work on creating stability. Stability at your lumbopelvic hip complex, your core, your thoracic, your cervical spine, your shoulders, your scapula, uh, the, the hip complex, foot and ankle complex, which will then in turn control the, the knee and the direction that the knee goes. So having stabilization is vitally important, but also having the endurance to support that stabilization, to have the endurance to maintain stabilization, to maintain postural alignment, to keep everything in a nice functional position where we're looking at things like length tension relationships and we look at uh, force coupling relationships. We look at how our body functions in different ways. And we can all see that based off of what somebody's movement patterns are like. And we want to build stability around that. And we want people to be able to use these smaller stabilization muscles and produce forces that support that posture and the the stabilization for prolonged periods of time, which is what endurance training is. And then you can move on to the next level. Once you've built a base, you can move on to the next level. That next level is the strength training level. And strength training level is going to have three phases in it. Now, when I first started training, there was only strength training level. That's all that existed. I remember working out. I was in college with my buddy Bart, and we were doing three sets of 10 of everything. Everything in life was three sets of 10. Three sets. You know what our periodization was? After months of working out, Bart comes in and he goes, Rick, we're going to switch it up today, man. I said, what? What are we going to do, bro? He said, we're going to do, and he held up four fingers, four. We're going to do four sets. And I was like, yo, Bart, you are blowing my mind right now. No doubt I was really sore for several days because I added that extra set to my three sets of 10. But when you look at something like this performance training model, switching between three and four sets of 10, that that's all within one phase. As a thank you for listening to the NASM CPT podcast, I've got a special offer for you. 20% off of any NASM order. You can use that 20% to get certified as a personal trainer through our CPT program, the standard for the fitness industry, or expand your career with one of our specializations, including our latest one, NASM Nutrition Certification, which gives you the skills to be a certified nutrition coach. Get 20% off your order by calling 800-460-6276 or visiting nasm.org and using the code PODCAST20. That's 800-460-6276, and the discount code is PODCAST20. Start changing even more lives today. It's within one level of an OPT model with still numerous variables to still go in between and to alter during this acute phase of training. So what we're looking at here, when we get into the strength level, there are three phases. So phase one is in the stability level, phase two, three, and four are in the strength level. So phase two is strength endurance training. So what you're doing is you're adding strength and endurance. So remember, they're named after their outcomes. So the outcome is going to be both strength and endurance. That's what you're going to get from doing this. And that's it's going to be a superset. It's a superset with a uh, an unstable exercise, whether that's a push-up where you have to control your core. It might be a push-up with your feet on a stability ball. It might be um, a single-arm dumbbell chest press. 
that creates instability. It might be a single leg squats or a lunge to balance, but it's something that's going to create instability. All the exercises that would be in that phase one stability training, but now you start implementing that into phase two and you create a superset where you do that stabilization exercise and you superset that with a strength training equivalent. So what that might be is I I worked with a guy and he didn't want to do stabilization training. My man just wanted to do strength training. And I get it, bro. I get it. You want to lift big. I get it. But what I did, I said, you want to work with me. Let's go ahead. And so I put him in phase two training because he didn't want to do phase one. So phase two is kind of the best of both worlds. It's it's a half of what he wanted, half of what I wanted for him. And, uh, and what, based on his assessment, certainly was needed. So I said, why don't you pick? You pick an exercise. So he picked bench press, of course. And so I was like, all right, cool. So I'm going to have you do a stability ball push-up first. And we're going to do something. You know, it's all, how do I get people to buy into what I'm saying without really lying to them? I don't want to lie. So I created this statement. I said, we're going to do something called pre-exhaustion. So I'm just going to exhaust your muscles a little bit before we do uh, the lift. Uh, and so I said, this is going to be called a warm up. <laughs> we're not really exhausting. So we give one warm up exercise and just have him do a set of push ups on the, the stability ball. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to do that strength training exercise and we're going to superset it with the stability exercise. So we're going to do strength training exercise, superset with the stability exercise. Did I say that backwards earlier? Well, this is the right way. Strength training, if I did. So it's strength training, and you're going to superset it with a stabilization equivalent. So you, we had him do his bench press, and then we had him do uh, push-ups on a stability ball. We couldn't really get very far in that. You got about three reps based on tempo. And, and again, like tempo's slower on this. It's a 2-0-2 tempo if you're doing, when you do the bench press. It's a 3-2-1 tempo when you do stability ball push-up. So it, they're slower than most. So we're working on strength and, hello, endurance. So we're slowing that tempo down a little bit. And then, you know, once that instability really kicked in, he looked like he was driving on an icy road when he was doing the push-ups on the stability ball. I mean, he was all over wiggle waggle so we, after three reps because his body started really losing its its kinetic chain alignment we took the ball and we pushed it against the bench so now the ball is more stable the ball is still an unstable surface but now it's against the bench press's bench so it has now been stabilized he was able to get about three more reps and then we moved the ball out of the way put his hands on the bench from the bench press had him do several more repetitions, and then finally we finished out with his 12th repetition all the way to 12 repetitions with him straddling the bench with his legs and doing his push-ups with his hands on the bar that we did bench press with. After he was done, I said, cool, 60-second break, and then we'll do it again. And he was like, what? And I said, look, man, we're going to take the ball out of it. We're going to just do push-ups on the bench, but you're still going to keep your strength training exercise, and you're going to superset it with a stability exercise. And he bought in completely. He was really interested in the program, and he knew based off of how he was feeling that he was getting a good workout. It was metabolically demanding. He was sweating. But is he also getting the strength that he was hoping to get out of it? Yeah. I mean, based on his time under tension, He's getting a lot of manual work coming out of this, but he's also able to get the endurance component of it that, that based on his assessment when I worked with him, that I was absolutely in favor of and thought, well, this guy desperately needs this in order to really progress where he wants to go with his strength training.
The next phase is hypertrophy training. Well, obviously, this is probably where this guy immediately wanted to start with. Hypertrophy training was that three sets of 10 that my man Bart and I were working on, but so is four sets of 10. And you look at this set and rep range, it's very typical for bodybuilders, and it's kind of changed in the last several years, fortunately, that if you said, hey, what do you do when I was growing up, I was in college, how many, how do you work out? It's three sets of 10 for everybody. Bro, it didn't matter. It didn't matter who came into you. They say, oh, my low back hurts. They were like, all right, cool, three sets of 10, bench press, that should help. Oh, man, my, my neck hurts. Cool, three sets of 10 with our squats, and you should be good. Uh, I want to I play with my grandchildren. All right, Nana, three sets of 10. So everything being three sets of 10 is really old school thinking, but it had its place because it's got its roots in hypertrophy training. It's very good for hypertrophy training. It's just part of the system that's offered there. Now, hypertrophy training is what we call optional for performance training. So if you want to be a high-level performer in athletics, hypertrophy training may or may not be indicated for you. You may not need to get bigger muscles in order to perform better. In some instances, if you're obviously if you're if you're doing weight classes and you need to cut weight, then hypertrophy training is not for you. But also um, what tends to happen is people that are playing sports, you know, hypertrophy training can slow people down. It can weigh them down a little bit more. And if you're looking for rate of force production, how fast you can move, or you're looking not to thwart some skill sets that you've already put into place, hypertrophy training may not be indicated. It just may not. It may be highly indicated. But we look at this as an optional um, component for our, our performance-based training because it depends on your sport and what you're doing. Phase four, still under the strength training umbrella here and the level of strength training. We have max strength training. That's how much you can lift, how much you can lift. So when we look at max strength training, you're looking for one to five repetitions, no supersets here. It's just lifting heavy as fast as you can. Now, when you lift something for three repetitions as fast as you can, that's not very fast. So you're lifting as fast as you can, but you're not focusing at a pause in the bottom or a pause at the top. You are focusing on how quickly you can lower down and lift up and still be in control. And that's vitally important to recall. Still be in control. So if people start to lose form, if people's technique starts to go out the window, that's when we got to stop it. Right? So always protecting the individual, protecting their body, maintaining excellent structural alignment and neuromuscular efficiency. So max strength is optional. It's optional for a couple of reasons. If you're working on speed, max strength is incredibly important in order to help you facilitate how fast you're going to be lifting. If you want to be stronger, obviously max strength is the way to play. But we also have max strength components in the power phase of the OPT model. So when you go to the power phase, there's going to be a superset between a max strength lift and something that you move incredibly fast, explosively. So what you might have is a traditional squat, and you would superset that, and it would be one to five repetitions in the power phase. Remember, anytime you go from one level to the next, that's going to be a superset, and there's one level in the power phase called the power phase. And you would superset that squat with maybe a, a squat jump or a box jump up or a box jump down, all right? Tuck jumps, 
You're going to add in something that's biomechanically similar to that squat, and that's based off of a principle called post-activation potentiation, or PAP. And that post-activation potentiation, it really has a lot to do with your muscle fibers. And so what you're doing is you're creating through your max strength lift increasing the potential to neuromuscularly activate these type 2 muscle fibers. And then these fibers work best with both heavy weights and fast speeds. So you're going to do a heavy weight, and then you're going to superset it with as fast of a, a lighter weight that you can do and produce these forces. So it's post-activation with the heavy lift to increase your potentiation or your potential to produce forces quickly in the superset. So that is the power phase. And that's just a quick 20-minute overview of the OPT model. We can definitely get into that information a little bit deeper and a little bit more. Why don't you hit me up at rick.richie, that's R-I-C-K dot R-I-C-H-E-Y at nasm.org and holler at me. Let me know what you want me to talk about. If you got questions, let me know. I'd be happy to answer them. And thank you for listening. This is the NASM CPT Podcast with Rick Richie. September's going to be here soon, and that means it's almost time for Optima 2019. And if you've never been to Optima, you're missing out on the fitness event of the year. And this year's conference is going to be bigger and better than ever for a few reasons. First of all, it's the five-year anniversary of the conference, and to celebrate, NASM sister company, AFAA, will be co-sponsoring the event, so you can expect double the energy. Plus, this year's keynote speaker will be fitness expert, best-selling author, and host of extreme weight loss, Chris Powell. Optima 2019th will be held Thursday, September 26th through Sunday, September 29th at the Arizona Grand Hotel and Spa in Phoenix, Arizona. To register, go to nasmoptima.com. Hurry, space is limited. It's a transformative experience that you do not want to miss.